Hello, it's Paul Scott here, small UK small caps commentator and writer of the Stockopedia Small Cap Value Reports with Graham Neary. Um, yeah, lovely, uh, lovely week we've just had, isn't it? I won't dwell on on this because it's not really adding much value. But the mid cap index is the one that stands out for stands out for me, MCX. Uh, which actually we cover about 40% of the mid-caps, um, the FTSE 250, that is, in the small-cap value reports. So if I can persuade Ed to give me another th- a third writer, we could maybe uh, expand it to cover the whole of the mid-caps index. That would be interesting. I'll um, bend his ear on that when I see him at Mellow Chiswick shortly. Hopefully see loads of you there as, as usual, like can usually be found in the bar talking to anyone and everyone so looking forward to that uh what else yeah so mid caps have bounced 11 percent in the last three weeks uh small caps now um the small caps index smxx is now actually up four percent year to date that's surprising isn't it but i think that's because uh it had a very very strong rally in january so it's still six and a half percent down on the January-February highs. That's why it doesn't feel quite as good as it might do. Although I have to say, my published um, stock picks for 2023 continue to do very, very well. Um, <clears throat> the um, the main top 20 I picked... Now, 13 of those are listed on AIM uh, out of the 20, so I've decided to keep AIM as my benchmark on that one. That's now up 8% year-to-date. The whole 20 uh, shares equally weighted... Now, that is um, versus AIM, which is down 13% year-to-date. So my list has outperformed by 22%, which I'm very delighted with. I think that shows that despite all the problems, this has actually been an okay year for just good, solid, decent companies, value-stroke GARP companies with sound balance sheets, and that started the year with reasonably okay trading updates, which was the simple criteria to that, that I used for this list. It's proved to be um, very resilient, well, up 8% year-to-date, plus divvies on top of that. So very, very happy with that. Um, I think at the worst point, three weeks ago, it was down 1% year-to-date. Uh, so it's now probably like your own portfolios, up uh, 9% in the last three weeks, which is in line with what the small cap indices have done. Now, my runners-up list, uh, the 12 additional shares that I put on as an as an afterthought, is storming away. That's up 13% year-to-date. I think we've had two or maybe three takeover bids, which has driven that. So the outperformers in my portfolio have um, comfortably mopped up quite a few profit warnings. Uh, So that's very good. Now, I've changed my benchmark on that to SMXX. So my 13% year-to-date performance compares with a plus 4% year-to-date performance on SMSX. So I'm 9% ahead in that portfolio. And 4 out of the 12 are AIM-listed, and 8 out of the 12 are fully listed, hence why I've changed the uh, benchmark to the more demanding SMXX. So that's uh, all going well. My personal portfolio is doing very well. Uh, I've got a guilty secret to tell you. Yeah, yeah. I've gone back into bloody revolution bars, haven't I? RBG. Oh, I know, I know what you're going to say. What is it? You're obsessed with that share. I am, in a way. i tell you what it was. Um, and I last week's podcast, I think I, I said that I was fed up with it and I'd sold the last scrap I had. Well, I bought loads of them, bought back in. Um, 
the reason being, I watched the management webinar. This is just a trade. It's high risky, Revolution Bars. Uh, high risk, rather. Uh, just a trade. Nothing more than that. And I'm not asking anyone to copy my trades. You know, you're, you're, the listenership here is far too intelligent for that anyway. But I'm just ab- admitting why I did it, really. Um, it's because I, I watched the webinar on Investimeet Company and the management, uh, Rob... Um, picture isn't it i think it, I, I always get his name wrong um and and danielle um can't remember her surname anyway C- ceo cfo come in for some criticism criticism over lots of things to be fair but um they are they came across as very straightforward very honest i think on most points a couple of things were fudged a bit uh and um, it seems to me they've got the support of the bank. That's the key reason. Yes, the debt at Revolution Bars is way, way too high. But they've got this quality asset in Peach Pubs. There's no doubt about that. that it was a good buy. I just don't think they had the balance sheet strength to buy it. But worst case scenario, if the bank get jittery, you just sell Peach Pubs, don't you? And then maybe put the uh, put the main chain into a, a CVA or administration or whatever. But that, I think, is probably why the bank are prepared to support it. Now, the key point is that the bank covenants have been... Anything related to profitability or EBITDA or anything has been removed. So the bank is giving this time to, uh, to, to recover in a cyclical recovery. Uh, the only covenant now is a minimum liquidity one. So they're tight for cash. They can't do any more refurbs or anything like that, which I think is such a strategic error um, by management. But anyway, I think there's a chance they can get through this. And I've started buying around 3P, which 230 million shares in issue is 7 million market cap. You're getting a lot of business for that. 175 million forecast revenue. Uh, must be, oh, about 100 large, reasonably well-fitted out sites. Remember, they did most of the refurbs on the key sites before they bought Peach Pubs. Um, I think there's a chance this could be a multi-bagger, and I think the chance of it going bust, I don't think it's as high as the market cap suggests. But I bought it in the full knowledge, look, this could be a wipeout, this could be 100% loss. So why have I done it then? Because I think it could be a multi-bagger if the positive uh, thing plays out. And young, you know, now with um, real incomes turning positive again, rising above inflation, I think people are are wanting to get out and spend and enjoy themselves a bit. And there's the whole pub sector is uh, is performing quite well. Revolution Bar's main chain is the significant underperformer because it's dependent on a younger uh, crowd. I think part of the problem is the younger crowd are spending money elsewhere on experiential leisure. So I still have significant doubts about Revolution Bar's, but I think it's an interesting trade. So, And there's quite a lot of volume in the last week. So it seems that maybe some other people have had the same idea as me. So we'll see. Anyway, that's my guilty guilty secret of the week. So very much more positive on the markets. Is it just a bear market bounce? I don't know. We don't um, try to predict or even analyse short-term market movements at the small gap value reports because, you know, you you just never know what's going to happen. And it's all very well people saying, oh, just follow the 200-day moving average. Well, uh, the mid-caps index smashed through the 200-day moving average and stayed above it for about two months in January, February this year, which, you know, according to Chartist, is, is telling us we're in a new bull market. And then it came all the way back down again. So, I don't know. I don't think there's necessarily a lot of predictive... Uh, power in charts but uh, maybe there is in larger mid caps but certainly not in small caps because you know one person aggressively selling or buying can completely change the chart pattern so but i do i do have some 
uh, time for, for, for people who say it's useful for market timing. So I'm not, you know, I used to be quite strident about decrying charts, but I'm not now. I can see there's a space for that um, in people who want to balance up fundamentals and charting. Justin was saying something quite good in this in his latest podcast with um, with Paul Hill. I mustn't listen to their podcast too much, though, because I'm starting to develop, develop traces of a Welsh and Brummy accents after I listen to them. I pick up accents very easily. So, uh, But both accents are lovely, so uh, before anyone... Uh, turns on me. I love regional accents. You've also got to get that in, haven't you? We don't want to offend anyone. Right, on to individual shares. So Monday, 13th of November, 2023, small cap value report. We only looked at three companies this day. I remember Graham and I looking at the list and thinking, oh God, you just get days like that sometimes. What we didn't cover, Team Internet, uh, which changed its name, didn't it? I can't remember the old name. Q3 year-to-date results. But it dropped 5% on the results, so I thought, well, the market's not interested, and I'm not interested. I just I just don't like that business. I'm sorry. I've explained, analysed it to death previously. It's sustainability of earnings that's the big question mark there. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't really want to have to cover that unless something... You know, either above or below expectations happens. Naked wine. Now I flagged up some quite chunky director buying, but on the other hand, it's small versus their salaries. Uh, I've mentioned before, Naked Wine's in a real mess, and I'm negative on the fundamentals. But it's so cheap now. As a riskier trade, I can see some merit in that, and I think it has it has bounced a little bit. Now loungers announced they were going to open four new sites. This is one of the, I think, I think the best of breed uh, hospitality operator. I mystery shopped it recently. So nice, so well run, the Bournemouth Cozy, Cozy Club site. Um, vegetarian breakfast. Oh, the food there is very tasty, but it's, I'm more of a spoons man now. With the spoons, you know, you can get lovely, delicious, fresh, hot-cooked hot food with a pint of Stella for £10.37. What's not to like? So, yeah, most... most um, Afternoon, well, some afternoons you'll find me in the Mary Shelley in Bournemouth, my local spoons, having um, having a pint and a, and a and a lovely plate of fish and chips. I do want to own some JD Weatherspoon shares, you know. I must buy some at some point. So that's the stuff we didn't look at. What did we look at? The three companies. Well, I looked at FDM. Now, this one is very interesting. The company is called FDM, as well as the ticker being FDM. Now, this was a profit warning. It dropped 12% to £4.11, and it hasn't bounced. It's ended the week about £4. It's basic, It's an IT contractor. It's basically a, a staffing business, but they train up IT contractors, I, I assume not to a particularly high level, they call they used to call them Mounties. I don't know if they do anymore. I followed this company for donkey's years. It used to be listed on AIM. And as I always like to remind people, management robbed it off us with a, I think it was inflection private equity, at a 33 million market cap in 2010. I was livid because I was a shareholder at the time and it was, uh, it was dirt cheap. Then they refloated it four years later at six times the value. Six times. I mean, it's good business for them, isn't it? But as I say, I, uh, I'm i still smarting from that takeover bid 13 years later. Anyway, uh, so profit warning. Yes, yeah, slight warning for 2023, but a much more significant drop in uh, to forecast 2024 earnings. There does seem to be a pattern here, doesn't there, emerging of um, IT contracting type businesses saying uh, that demand has dropped quite significantly. Um, we've seen a few of these now, so I'd be careful with this type of 
um, IT, IT businesses that have got recurring revenues, SaaS-type businesses, are probably going to be more resilient if the recurring revenues are a high enough proportion. But the, these contractor-type businesses are more under pressure. There definitely seems to be a slowdown in business-to-business activity, activity, which you would expect, wouldn't you, in a slowing economy? If the economy is slowing, it may just be a short and shallow dip. We don't know. Anyway, they've, FDM seen an 18% drop in consultants currently hired out. So that one's almost, but not far, back down to uh, the level where it was when it floated. I think it's actually quite interesting. You've got a very, very generous dividend yield on FDM because it doesn't have any capital requirement. It's just a lovely cash-generative business. Uh, strong balance sheet, it is. I've confirmed that. Um, I think FDM could, this could be quite an interesting point to do a bit more research on it and pick your spot in terms of maybe going into that one going forward. Although I do have question marks over competition because it's basically a staffing business and there's a lot of competition in the staffing area. Uh, Look at S3, S-T-E-M, that's bounced strongly recently. So uh, I think FDM, have a a closer look at it. As as ever, we never ever recommend anything. We're just uh, giving our analysis and our personal views. We never predict what share price is going to do because we've got no idea. So anyway, have a look at FDM if that floats your boat. Graham looked at British land. Um, Both Graham and I think property, REITs, house builders interesting sector at the moment lots of value uh, but of course they've they've bounced very very strongly in the last two or three weeks those sectors particularly because it looks like we're past the peak in interest rates doesn't it so i think the same with bonds i think high yielding bonds is a very interesting area because i think we're going to potentially have significantly lower interest rates next year that's just my hunch but uh, that's my macro view whatever the central banks say they're, you know, how independent are they? They're going to be coming under a lot of political pressure to get interest rates back down. And inflation is moving quite rapidly in the right direction, isn't it? So that's my underlying thesis. So I think uh, property, REITs, house builders, anything that's cyclical and interest rate sensitive could be very interesting. I want to get ahead of the curve on this. Um, and I think those are going to be... Uh, I think we're we're well-placed, actually, to get it. I sound like an RNS, don't I? Well-placed to have a... Um, to have um, shares anticipating a cyclical recovery. Because remember, shares are always sort of six months ahead of reality, aren't they? But we're going to have loads more profit warnings as well. But we're going to have a load of takeover bids. So it's just a mishmash, isn't it? But I've been saying for a long, long time here that small caps and mid caps in the UK are dirt cheap. And the proof in the pudding is all the blooming takeover bids. So it's not just me saying it, it's reality. So things are really cheap, and I hope... Uh, listeners here uh, are going to do your own analysis, obviously. Uh, I, I hope you haven't capitulated and sold out in despair because I think we're at or near the bottom of the cycle. And I've been saying that for ages, but I am more convinced than ever that that's true by all these blooming bids coming through. It's significantly, you know, the private markets are valuing uh, UK shares much, much higher than the listed market because it's a dislocated market where there's just an imbalance of supply and demand at the moment, which will correct one way or another, and you quite you quite easily could have government action on this as well. Um, so I think there's lots of reasons to be very bullish, actually. Taking a medium-term view, we don't know what will happen in the short term. 
So British Land, yeah, uh, Graham quite likes that one. See Monday's report if you want more detail. Um, XP Power, no, yes, XP Power. XPP is the ticker. This is the one where it absolutely crashed on a nasty profit warning combined with an overly geared balance sheet. That's what we need to be avoiding. you know. And we did warn readers about XP Power stretch balance sheets several times as far back as January 2023. <coughs> so you could have avoided this, although I must admit we're all, I think, taken by surprise at the severity of the profit warning. I'm still not clear what's actually gone wrong at XP Power. But anyway, the reason I mention it is I went through the fundraising in some detail, and it's an unlikely one, actually. It just shows you can't tell what's going to happen with with uh, financially distressed companies. The shareholders have really strongly supported it and injected fresh equity at a premium, a big premium from the recent lows, where it bottomed out around £7, £7.50. So, um, and the bank, in turn, has slightly relaxed the covenants, although I do say here debt remains uncomfortably high. But it's had an excellent rebound from the recent lows, XP Power has. So, um, uh, But I think there are still question marks over the company. But it just goes to show... Um, you know, sometimes you can get lucky and the institutions will stand by a share and want to support the equity value of their existing positions, which is what's happened at XBP. So pretty encouraging, I'd say. Let's hope we see more um, fundraisers go through at decent prices rather than um, shafting the existing shareholders which all too often is what happens, particularly at the small caps end of things. Now, lovely reader comments on Monday. We had 93 comments on lots of different topics, and I must say thank you to Portugal, who put up a lovely uh, comment saying that uh, he appreciated me being... Uh, so open and honest about my losing two million quid on my Spreadbet accounts last year. And yes, it was a big chunk of my portfolio, so a heavy loss. But I find it cath- so thank you for your kind comments on that. But I've always been an open book. I think, why, you know, why, why would anyone want to hide their mistakes? You know, I think it's, it's the opposite. Get them off your chest. Say, oh, I had a disaster with this, and this, and then w- this is what I learned from it. You know, and then other people can benefit from, from my mistakes, I feel. So the main takeaway from it all is that. This time round, I've closed the Spreadbet accounts. Even though historically I've made really, really good money from, from Spreadbet accounts, I always seem to be just one, one bear market away from a wipeout, um, which, of course, happened in 2008 on a, on a far worse scale. I think I lost about $5 million. Well, I did. I lost over $5 million in 2008, 2009. 2007 actually was really bad as well. So in total in that bear market, I lost over 5 million quid and I didn't have 5 million to lose. So, but we've been over that in the past ad nauseum. Um, anyway, but I did very, very well in between the wipeouts and bought some properties as well. This is the thing. If you do do leverage trading and you, and you have a massive windfall, take some money out and buy some properties with it. That worked very well for me. Uh, so at least, you know, the spreadbed accounts are closed now because I've just decided I'm too volatile emotionally. I don't have the right personality to be doing leverage uh, trading, but I'm too excitable. And uh, so I think, generally speaking, for most people, spread bets are very dangerous and to be avoided. But I think people who have iron discipline, which some people do, and stick to their rules every time, limit the gearing... And if you can, if you've got that mental discipline to be able to tame the sort of bucking bronco, then maybe there's a place for it, and for hedging purposes and so on. I do know some people who uh, use 
over many, many years, used Spreadbet accounts uh, successfully, but they're very much in the minority. It is basically gambling, as one of the one of the uh, commenters said. So anyway, yeah, I think it's just best to avoid it. I've got to say, since I have closed those uh, leveraged accounts, life is so much simpler and more pleasant. I don't have to sit there ticker-watching all day because nothing's going to happen, even if it's something does crash 90% in my portfolio. It doesn't matter. The, no, not having margin calls is bliss. So there's a lot to be said. And it's expensive now. Interest rates are higher, so spread betting's more expensive. There's, look, there's still a place for it, but I would say generally for private investors, you, you're best off steering well clear of it. Right, on to Tuesday's report, Small Cap Valley report. This was uh, our Tuesday 14th of November. We looked at five companies. Now, the first... I'm not doing any sound effects today because I've got too much... Uh, I'm in a bit of a rush, but um, or I might sing one again. Now, the first share of the day, it's the first com- company we reported on in Tuesday's report in my section, and it's a mystery share. So, yeah, that is just for Stockpedia readers, subscribers. Uh, very, very nice trading update on this particular company that's one of my favourites, and everything uh, looks very good. So, um, really nice quality business that's also paying generous dividends, so I like it a lot. So that's our mystery share. Now, Graham looked at Jarvis Securities, J-I-M. Now, I've got to say, I think I'm going to have to disagree with Graham on this one. The shares are really crapping out. It's a um, broker, I think. Um, Trouble is, you know, what Graham's saying is that the fundamentals on it are still really, really good, which they are. I, I went and checked it afterwards and did a bit of work on it myself. I didn't write anything about it. But Graham's staying green on it, even though the share price has absolutely crashed on a, um, a, a big investigation that's being done into the company. Regulatory, ongoing regulatory reviews. And as he says, the market is pricing in awful news, but I'm stubbornly remaining green until the bad news is revealed. Uh, I'm not sure I agree with that, because um, I have to say with Jarvis, you know, that this regulatory review, it's a very small company. The balance sheet's only got about five million cash in it or something. So, you know, you could see a situation where if they do get taken to the cleaners by the regulator with big fines, you know, that could really do a lot of damage or even push the the company over into insolvency. Um, so it's it's really a special situation, pr- pretty high risk, I think. I probably would have gone amber-red on that one myself. And Graham's saying, look, maybe I should be amber or red. But he said, you know, we're only guessing at what the the outcome of the f- regulatory review is. We haven't got any actual, actual firm facts. And he's right about that. And the, uh, the, you know, the past performance of Jarvis Securities is very, very good, I have to say. Very generous divvies as well. So, uh, but with a material risk hanging over the company, I, I, I'm not sure we should have been green. But anyway, look, I understand Graham's reasons for doing that. So there we are. Uh, that's one you can debate amongst yourselves, isn't it? Next, I looked at Billington Holdings, B-I-L-N. This is a structural steel business, various niches in in structural steel. Looks fantastic. Trading update was ahead of expectations. Did I say the ticker? B-I-L-N, Billington Holdings. Yes, I think I did. Uh, Yeah, another ahead of expectations update. Counterintuitive, isn't it? You would have thought structural steel would be uh, contracts would be declining because of higher interest rates, uh, so a higher bar for investment projects, building and so on. 
But um, I've said here, though, although it's doing very well, Billington is, really impressive figures, you know, that often happens with cyclical companies before a recession, or even in the early part of the recession, they, they're, they're, they're delivering on their order book, and they can still produce very, very good figures until the order book dries up. But that's only if you get a prolonged recession. We don't know whether we're going to have a recession at all. We haven't so far, although, you know, we're we're kind of on the cusp of it, aren't we, bumping along at zero. So I don't know what's going to happen with Billington. I just wanted to flag that it looks very, very good. The figures do. Excellent balance sheet. Uh, strong balance sheet, not excellent. It's got plenty of cash. It's got really good dividends. So I've gone up from amber to amber green, but I do heavily flag the cyclicality of this and just look at the chart and see what happened in the last big recession and you'll be horrified so I think it's one to maybe uh, enjoy it but keep quite close to the exit if the macro picture really starts to tank then you know it's probably best to 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 get out before everyone else does so that's Billington uh, but really really good on fundamentals as I say we can't predict the future so we can only really report on the facts, figures and forecasts on the day that we release them we're not clairvoyant, we do not know what's going to happen into the future so it's no good coming to me and saying oh Paul you were bullish on that two or three years ago well that was two or three years ago completely different scenario everything's changed so snapshots on one day in time. That's all we're offering you. We're not uh, doing the clever bit, which is trying to predict what happens in the future. That needs much, much more research into the management, the products, the sector, the competitors. You know, it's a big uh, operation to analyse just one share, but that's your job. That's the stuff you need to be doing. We're just giving you a quick review of the numbers and the outlook and nothing more than that. So I hope uh, people don't have too high expectations for whether our, you know, our, our, our colour coding is not meant to be predictive. We're not saying we think green companies will do better in the long run. Actually, they probably will, and a lot of them do. Um, Paul Hill questioned whether I could measure that in some way, automate it. I think there is a way, actually, on my Google Docs. So I'm going to um, have a quick look at that. And if I can find out, I think probably because we're medium term value type investors where or that's the theme of the reports anyway i think probably a two-year view is 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 what we're trying to aim at really we're not, because we're green on a lot of cyclical companies now even though we know some of them are going to warn on profits so we're not trying to predict what the short-term share prices will do so i i don't think necessarily measuring the structure of our green amber red in over shortish periods of time is is really uh, is really relevant because that's not what we're trying to do. But I think most people get the gist of it when they read the small cap value reports. That look, we're coming at it from this angle, focused mainly on value, on company fundamentals, it, which is just the first step in your analysis of of the shares that you need to do yourselves. Okay, Fintel F N T L. This used to be simply Biz. Uh, it's issued an inline update. I like this company, I have to say. It's it's nice and resilient in a downturn because it gets a lot of subscription-based recurring revenues. Um, they've done two more acquisitions. One is small. That's four acquisitions in total this year. Um, there's a bit of a risk there, isn't there, that they might be building something a bit too complicated. And what, in the larger acquisition, they seem to have paid quite a hefty price for. But I think it's fair to say that management seem to know what they're doing here. They've got a pretty good track record. 
Anyway, I run through it all and I come away reasonably impressed. I think it's a decent business. Priced about right, maybe, at the moment. I think there are better bargains out there. But I certainly wouldn't try and talk you out of Fintel if you're an existing holder. I think it's not, not a bad business. Finally, Castings, CGS. This is the turbocharger housing um, st- iron and steel sort of forge type engineering business that's probably not a very good description I like the fact that they're diversifying into other sectors the commentary with this is great it's such a, a brilliant company Castings is it put out its interims I couldn't help but be green on it I think it's just so well managed family long standing family business absolute massive bulletproof balance sheet pays generous divvies and special divvies it just reeks of, 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 of superb management. And isn't it interesting that, you know, a traditional sort of iron and steel forging business, or I don't know what you call it, but, you know, um, really a specialist manufacturer of really sort of traditional um, heavy industry, if you like, is performing so well and has a multi-year brilliant track record. Why is it that we haven't got more companies like this in Britain? Because this just shows that with the right management and with a strong balance sheet, you know, we can compete globally uh, with 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 businesses in any, any other country. So um, that's something to ponder, maybe. Anyway, lovely interim results. Uh, I th- I've, I've said here, I think it's a, it, my opinion is, it seems a lovely tuck away and forget income share. You, you know, the shares are mainly for for the reliable, generous dividends. Um, I wouldn't expect stellar growth, but it's nice to see them diversifying. Because, of course, eventually turbocharger housings for trucks won't be needed necessarily, will they? Although there might be. Depends if it electrifies or if it goes towards hydrogen. I I think hydrogen-powered vehicles still run on internal combustion engines, don't they? I'm not sure, actually. I should probably check that. Okay, uh, that's Tuesday. Oh, yes, sorry, Tuesday's comments. The readers are discussing all sorts of interesting things, and they do flag up that the uh, the uh, UK, uh, US um, inflation numbers were better than expected. And, of course, on Wednesday, the UK number came in much, much lower as well, which is um, Strawberry Dreams says that the Russell 2000 rose over 5% today, which I think he must mean uh, Tuesday. Um, yeah, so this seems to be... Uh, a big catalyst for this rally is expectation. It's all linked to inflation and interest rates, isn't it? With market sentiment, uh, seeing the glass half full now rather than half empty, I think. Does that last? We don't know. It feels to me, though, like it's an inflection point. So, um, But look, I'm not an expert on that. A positive inflection point, I mean. I think I think interest rates are coming down. Um, and, and that means equities, bonds and property go up. Oh, I've just spotted here a discussion about Cambridge Cognition and one of the readers, Paul Hill, he asks me what's my current view on it. I'm not so keen on it now. Yeah, it's because I've explained it all before, but you know, management uh, made these acquisitions that, and they've really stretched their balance sheet. And for me, one of the things I liked about it was the nice cash pile, which is now gone. So yeah, I'm not so keen on Cambridge Cognition. I'll have an, another fresh look at it, though, when the, when the figures come out. Oh, I should say there were loads of other companies that we wanted to cover on Tuesday, but we uh, we both had a little bit of a case of writer's block. But we've come on, we've covered most of those um, in the subsequent days. Another highlight of the week actually was Richard Staveley of Rockwood Capital, I think it is part of Harwood Capital. He did a webinar, uh, a presentation rather, on Mellow 
on the Tuesday Mellow um, uh, broadcast, on which is on trusts and funds. Absolute masterclass in how to do small cap investing. Utterly brilliant. Richard Staveley is very much the man at the moment. He's performing brilliantly with his uh, very small fund. It's obviously easier to get great returns when you have a relatively small fund. It's only about 50 million, which is tiny in um, for, for, for funds. It's more like a hedge fund in terms of the fee, fee structure. But anyway, he's utterly brilliant. Um, so if you get a chance, have a look at the recording from Mello of Richard Staveley. And he's going to be at Mello Chiswick. So um, uh, fantastic speakers at Mellow Chiswick. I don't know how Dave has managed to get such a brilliant roster of speakers. So, uh, but he's definitely one to... To, to listen to um, at uh, Mellow Chiswick. Oh, on Tuesday's comments, I must give a shout out to Phil P, uh, who has been with Stockerbeauty three years. He's been um, posting these absolutely brilliant snapshot one pages summary of individual companies, and they're brilliant. He um, just puts it into a template, you know, uh, very clearly, simply laid out with just key information on uh, and, and colour codes snippets from the uh, uh, from the RNS um, in in the Outlook section. It's a one page summary. They're absolutely brilliant, Phil. Um, thank you so much for posting these. The readers love them as well. You got eighty thumbs ups for for your first post, Phil. Uh, I see you've done a few more um, later in the week. So delighted that you're sharing the, the these um, these one-page snapshots of companies with us. They're fantastic, brilliant format, and and absolutely lovely that you're contributing this extra content to the Small Gap Value Reports. So I've given you a, a, a um, saying a post here saying that a very positive feedback, really really good. So thanks, Phil. So you are. Uh, reader of the week oh and of course reader of every week in a way is Mr Contrarian with his fantastic small cap tweets um, summarising company RNS's first thing in the morning so thanks Mr C everybody loves them so uh, uh, yeah occasionally thanking you you for them I think is only only decent so yeah love them right on to Wednesday 15th of November 2023 we did didn't do that many, did we? We did four companies. We we normally aim to do at least five every day, but it just wasn't really happening again on Wednesday, I'm afraid. But we do we have done them in quite a lot of detail. So I'm going to do another mystery share here uh, for the first company I covered on the list. It's the first one in the summary section, uh, which I hold a small amount personally. Uh, put out a very uh, encouraging interim result statement. Um, and it's ahead of forecast for the full year. So that is my second mystery share for this week. Uh, what else did we look at on Wednesday? Oh, Graham looked at Kanos. The ticker is K-N-O-S, uh, which dropped very sharply. It's now 1.25 billion market cap. This is the IT um, contractor or provider. I, I'm not entirely sure exactly what they do because it's a little bit big for us but uh, Graham thought it looked interesting so he covered it anyway um, now this was a profit warning it dropped 15% this week I think the profit warning was earlier in the week and we circled back to it because it looks interesting that was it it dropped 23% on Tuesday um Another IT contractor that's saying um that's saying conditions are tough um, but it's got plenty of cash but Graham's saying here, even after the drop, the valuation seems hard to justify. Now, I looked at this one was very interesting. Surface Transforms, SCE. We've covered this a lot. Um, very interesting sort of jam tomorrow 
type company, but with amazing levels of demand for its ceramic brake discs. But unfortunately, it's not executed at all well. They keep having um, production problems scaling up. Not really, unsup- not, not, not really surprising, is it, for a tiny company trying to make very complex high-end products, uh, these high-performance brake discs. Apparently, there's only one major competitor who's got the market sewn up, so the manufacturers, you know, have a um, have an incentive really to see surface transforms doing well. Um, it had to do yet another fundraising, and the share price has absolutely crashed. Now, what I'm saying here, so I, I looked into the fundraise. I think you've got to be really careful about this one. It's a lovely company, should do really well long term, and it's so sad to see it scrabbling around for a relatively small amount of money. But the the placing is conditional on it securing a thirteen million pound capex loan, which is a big condition. You know, I think they might struggle to get that agreed. They seem to think they can get it agreed by the end of the this calendar year. But just be aware of the risk. If that loan is not secured, then the main part of the placing falls through and you're right back to square one with a business that's more or less out of cash and with a very substantial cash need relative to its market cap. So, look, it could go either way. I'm not predicting what will happen. I'm just, as, as always, I'm just flagging high risk. So high risk, potential high reward. I don't know which way it'll go, but I, I don't have any choice than to market red because the risk is, risk is particularly elevated. Normally, when a placing's agreed, that's it. It's buttoned up, but it's not buttoned up with this one because of the condition, um, conditional um, linking to the bank loan. So uh, just be aware of the risk, and you can decide whether you want to pack it or not. Finally, I looked at Fuller, Smith & Turner. This is the pub's group. Now, very complicated share structure. It's got three different classes of shares. So I went through this in detail. Now, the market cap... Um, I think is wrong. So I flag that to Stockopedia. Well, it's right and it's wrong because they just total up the number of shares, but they ignore... This is the data provider, Thomson Reuters. They ignore the fact that the, the, the B shares, I think it is, have radically reduced economic benefits compared with one-tenth of the A and the C shares. So you've got to adjust... You've got to weight the market cap uh, accordingly, and so I've come up with an adjusted. And, and Graham actually did some sterling work on this. I think it was back in July. So I linked to Graham's. Um, I was writing on the back of Graham's research. But anyway, it put out. Um, this is Fuller Smith and Turner pubs and hotels and things. Put out interim results, which I thought were good. It's got very strong asset backing, decent prof- profit growth, sector leading light for light revenue growth. I think it looks interesting. Yeah, so, and the, as I mentioned, I think, a couple of weeks ago or last week, the whole hospitality sector is coming alive again. The like-for-likes, the best operators are pretty good now, you know. They're low teens, some of them, which is enough to cover the inflationary uh, cost increases. And with inflation going right down now, I mean, practically every company I report on is saying cost inflation is now moderating or even, in some cases, going slightly into reverse. So um, it's interesting, isn't it? You know, the, it's not just the figures from the ONS that are telling us that inflation is, is reducing. We're hearing it from the coal face, if you like, from lots and lots of companies. Inflation is definitely um, reducing now. And that, of course, could mean that with uh, real incomes uh, now turning positive, you could get some nice operational gearing starting to kick in in sectors where we've all kind of given up on them, like hospitality. And uh, Restaurant Group, of course, got bid for for a very uh, aggressive price, I thought. There's a pub group acquisition that I'll come on to in a moment. So this sector's coming alive again, so I think it's very interesting.
Yeah, the reader comments on Wednesday, very good again. Lots of talk about Rockwood Strategic from people who also saw Richard Staveley's excellent webinar. And then Phil has put up another of his snapshot things for Kanos. Again, very, very good those are. You've got 80 thumbs up for that, Phil. So people love it, as do I. So you're really adding value. So thank you and keep it coming. OK, I think we've got to move on to Thursday now. Oh, good grief. We got hit by an absolute avalanche of... Um, uh, maybe that's too distasteful because somebody will take it literally, won't they, for God's sake. So Thursday we were hit with a large list of companies to report on and uh, we covered ten companies in Thursday's report. I was really pleased with that. And we got some lovely comments from the readers saying how much they appreciated it and we got 174 thumbs on Thursday. So we're very, you know, it's like giving stars at Weight Watchers to people, to grown adults who've lost a bit of weight. We still like things like that, don't they? So we love it when you give us a thumbs up, but only when it's justified, not routinely. Now, what do we have here? I'll run through these. Oh, yes. Um, fantastic outcome for Hotel Chocolat. This was the announcement of a recommended cash acquisition of Hotel Chocolat by one of the world's richest families who still own Mars, the giant, the confectionery and pet food um, giant in America. 170% premium. Uh, blockbuster takeover bid, I've called it here, at £3.75. So I'm absolutely delighted for Hotel Chocolat shareholders. It's lovely to see people get a windfall and make some money. Um, I don't think it was a good share pick on fundamentals. It clearly wasn't. I mean, Hotel Chocolat's track record as a listed company has been pretty lamentable. Um, poorly managed, the overseas expansion flopped. Um, uh, numerous profit warnings, barely a, a, above break-even in trading terms. So as a standalone company on fundamentals, it looked really ropey. But it just goes to show, doesn't it, that Mars have looked at the brand and think it's very, very valuable. And it's really, this is a bit of a learning curve for me as much as anyone else, you know, that actually analysing the facts and figures and forecasts is all very well, but acquirers can see... Um, considerable value in companies where it isn't obvious and a brand you know there's no denying hotel chocolat is a, a wonderful brand you know the shop fits are great the all the packaging's very fancy um and uh yeah so uh, that that i think is the key takeaway from this takeover bid it's not takeover bids are often not for obvious reasons they're for something that well i suppose the brand you know the appeal of the brand it was quite obvious but would you have you know, would you have added th over 300 million in valuation for it? Probably not. Um, so great result there. Well done to management, who are major shareholders. Um, so uh, round of applause all round, I think, there for people who did very well out of that. Possibly more luck than judgment. But look, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to taint what is a lovely uh, outcome for people. It's always nice to see investors make money. That's why we're in it, isn't it? Then another takeover. This is the day we had three takeover bids. I remember now. City Pub Group, a recommended acquisition from the larger brewery Youngs. Um, it's mostly in, in cash, about two-thirds cash and about a third in new young shares, which does run the risk of creating a bit of an overhang in young shares. But I, I had a quick look at Young's as well, and it looks very impressive. Uh, um, so, yeah, again, well done to City Pub shareholders. Um, what was the third one on Wednesday? Oh, oh, sorry, excuse me. DX Group. Now, recommended cash acquisition here. Now, we already knew that was in the pipeline. <coughs> Oops, <laughs> sorry. 
<laughs> I'm not going to edit this. I don't know how to. Um, uh, so one burp and one hiccup. I think that'll do for now. So that's my pot, pot noodle repeating on me. Sorry, sorry. Get focus, Paul. Focus. DX group. Yeah, the logistics group. Confirmed bid at uh, 47.5p plus a penny dividend that you would have got anyway. Bit of a shame to see this go because we've been flagging all year that this is a really nice turnaround. Company's been performing very well, way below the IPO price 10 years ago. So long term, it's been a, a, a very poor investment. But, you know, credit where credit's due, management have done a great turnaround there. And I think the takeover price is probably as much as you're going to get. There's logistics groups in these market conditions. Not much demand for them, really, is there? Uh, oh, one of my favourite shares, MJ Gleeson, the affordable at small houses, um, house builder in the Midlands and the North. Lovely company, one of my favourite, one of my top picks for this year. I'm pleased to say it's now doing very well. The shares are up about 35% year-to-date. Now, it was only an inline trading update, but all house builders put on a huge spurt this week. One of the readers was wondering if it was insider dealing, but I, as I pointed out, you know, it was only in line. It wasn't ahead of expectations. Um, amazing balance sheets on, on these house builders. I looked at Crest Nicholson as well, another house builder more in the south and the Midlands, um, CRST. Now, the, this was um, a more, co- more cautious tone in the Crest Nicholson um, update. Um, now, it slightly lowered the range of possible outcomes for this year, but that seems to be down to one project in particular where the costs are overrunning. It's trimmed its cost a bit. Build cost inflation has more or less disappeared now, it says. Uh, well, it says low to mid single... Uh, no, low single digit... Or was it mid-single-digit? Oh, it said it's gone down anyway. Build cost inflation. Again, read across to lots of uh, different sectors, isn't it? Inflation is not um, is, is, is not an issue anymore. Um, oh, now the main reason I like Cress Nicholson, so I'm green on that and green on Gleason. The main reason is there's an extraordinary discount to net tangible asset value at Cress Nicholson. Now, I don't know if there's some idi- idiosyncratic reason for that, but I have to say, I've I've said, look, this looks a sitting duck for a takeover bid. But somebody, we did have a takeover bid for a house builder a while back, didn't we? Not that long ago. So, you know, I've said here, a, a bidder could offer a 30% premium for Crest Nicholson and still get about £166 million of assets for, for nothing. So, yeah, I, I'd be surprised if there isn't a takeover bid for Crest Nicholson, actually. But I don't know, I'm guessing. What else? CMC Markets, we really like that. Although the share price has really tanked, interim results came out which were in line. Basically, it's profit. This is the spread betting outfit, a mid-sized one, CMC. The, um, you know, basically profits have dried up. But 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 Graham makes the point here. The, cyclically, it makes a ton of, ton of money when markets become um, more active. So, and you're buying it for less, I think, or, or par, or slightly discount to its own working capital. And there's no long-term debt to think about. So it's stunningly cheap as a cyclical recovery share, I think, CMC markets. Although, again, you do have the regulatory question marks over these these firms, don't you? Uh, what else? Oh, pressure technologies. Very interesting. Only 10 million market cap. This is the, uh, what, do you, what do you call it? Not Churchill cylinders something something like church or oh i can't remember cylinders a high pressure uh, large cylinders for submarines and things like that it makes and it's going through a debt refinancing tiny amounts of money but it's been it's had a one and a half million refinancing from um 
from Harwood Capital or Rockwood, one of those two. And Peter Gillenhammer, there's a blast in the past. I used to um, follow him quite closely in the last, in the big bear market of 2001 to 2003. He was a deep value investor, so nice to see him crop up again. And anyway, they've helped refinance a 0.900 grand Lloyd's loan. Isn't it sad that Lloyd's Bank won't even back a, a, a promising listed company with a a loan of 900 grand. I mean, honestly, you do... I mean, no wonder Britain struggles with, you know, to develop decent businesses when... But there again, banks are not there to provide risk capital, are they? But even so, disappointed with Lloyds on that. They could have been more supportive to a nice business, I think. But I got a very low opinion of Lloyds. I had an awful run-in with them in the 1990s, and they are brutal and... um, you know, um, not a good bank to bank with, in my personal experience. Very, uh, you know, they don't stand by you when times are tough, we found. So I've got a lifelong um, grudge against Lloyd's Bank. So <laughs> so uh, I'm, I'm sure other people have had bad experiences with other banks. So uh, other banks are available too. <laughs> so anyway, pressure technologies looks interesting, I think, I have to say, but very tiny, very liquid. Um, oh, the warrants, that was it. Warrants, um, 5% dilution uh, at a slightly higher price than the current share price. Mm, OK, fair enough. But they are, um, you know, they've, they're like options. So the shareholders have got the option to, to exercise the warrant. So um, it's it's not quite as good. Well, it's nowhere near as good as actually putting in money at a premium, I would say. And finally, Graham looked at line trust asset management, which he thinks is very cheap. Oh, there's some more. Um, some quick comments. Tymon, T-Y-M-A-N. This is the ticker T-Y-M-N. This is the leading international supplier of engineered fenestration components and access solutions to the construction industry. Fenestration's windows, isn't it? Because, uh, yeah, they call it... In Czechoslovakia, that's the preferred method of... Uh, used to be the preferred method in the Cold War, preferred method of uh, political assassinations being defenestrated. The Russians like doing that as well, don't they? Putin's mob. Um, yeah, so don't stand near any open windows if you're an oligarch at a cocktail party. So, uh, anyway, there we are, Timon. Uh, in line with market expectations, which is good, I think, given uh, challenging market conditions... Uh, now, this is the one. they focused a lot on cost-cutting and efficiency, and that's protected profits. So I like this. I think this looks very good, actually. Timon, yeah, nice cyclical recovery share, but they're actually trading all right during, during a downturn, which is a nice combination. Another one I like here um, is Kier, K-I-E, the Construction Property Infrastructure Group. Huge revenues, very low margins. I don't normally go for companies like this, as you know, but the P, uh, but the figures are good. Um trading i went through the the june 23 results which were announced in september they look good decent profits um and the p is only 5.4 that seems too cheap for me so i think here is still good value it's got a rather weak balance sheet with negative net tangible asset value and today's update this was on thursday is pretty good saying um it's in line uh, with expectations H2 weighting expected uh, above last year and reconfirms that it's going to resume dividend payments this year. 10.5 billion order book plus long-term framework framework agreements on top. As you know, these low-margin contractors, I think, you know, they're pretty accident-prone. But I I have to say, assuming nothing goes wrong, Kia shares look cheap and they've been rising this year. So uh, that's quite encouraging. That's it for Thursday. 
Oh, just quickly to say as well that on Thursday, there are quite a, a few things we didn't cover um, <clears throat> because we were overwhelmed with the number of companies reporting. So I'd just like to say we, we normally miss out the ones that are just reporting trading in line. So if they're in line with expectations and the share price doesn't really move, then there's not really any imperative for us to write about that. So just to, just so you're aware, though, there was Craneware, which uh, had an AGM trading update in line. I had a quick look at that, but didn't write anything about it. It looks a nice business, but it's quite, it is expensive. But you know it could, could get bought out by the Yanks because it operates in America. Scottish company um, selling software into the U.S. health healthcare space, which, as you know, they pay crazy money over there for um, um, for, for uh, uh, anything like that. So I think Craneware could be interesting as a potential takeover. Tatton Asset Managing Interims came out. Um, Restore, we quite like that one. Trading update was in line with full-year expectations. You see, most companies are reporting in line, aren't they? Um, Eagle Eye, I very much like. I've got a tiny position in that, which I want to increase at some point, but I needed the money for Plexus, so um, that's why I've reduced a lot of my position sizes, and Plexus has done brilliantly. Um, It's four-bagged since I started. No, I think more, actually, five-bagged since I started buying in in August, but I've carried on buying. There's no news on Plexus, so um, I normally... um, uh, people like, like me to say something about it. Nothing's changed. It's very, very cheap. Uh, well, it's not. It's not cheap, but it's got. Uh, uh, it's got an extraordinary global opportunity, and <clears throat> the tech is proven. So I remain very, very bullish on it. But it's highly speculative. We should be getting numbers and out- outlook from it imminently for June 2023. They they said to me they'll report in November which I think they did last year as well. So it's a very much a special situation. So the figures will look uh, uh, poor. That's what we're expecting. It's all about the, the big order intake and the, and the future potential. Huge indus- industry tailwinds on methane leaks, um, which is Plexus's proven specialism. So at some point, I think, you know, uh, bigger investors than me are going to look at this and think, oh, this is bloody interesting. Um, it's already 10 bagged, but it's only worth 22 million, which is peanuts, I think, when you look at what it could uh, do with the Schlumberger deal. But look, it's, it's very speculative at this stage. I get that. So well, I'll, and I'll, just, I'll just take my chances on it and we'll see what happens. So Eagle, going back to Eagle Eye, sorry, very, very interesting company. I hold a small amount, as I say. Inline trading update there. Um, what else have we got? Oh, Norcross. I did have a quick look at the interims. Didn't report on it. Looks really cheap, I have to say. But it always does. I saw it bounce quite a bit on Friday as well, 10% or so. But lots of things are bouncing. Very, very cheap, the bathroom fittings company. Uh, permanently cheap. That's the trouble. Braemar, Braemar, put out FY23 finals results. But the shares are still still suspended. Probably going to unsuspend imminently I think I just took the view on a busy day I didn't really have time to go through all of that um, what else have we got oh and Manalay Partners it put their interims out much too specialised for us it just take too long to look at it React uh, I think that's quite good this is the cleaning group uh, 18 million market cap quite a good update I think that's worth a look but I do have some negatives on that as well which I mentioned in the reader comments and my selects um, I haven't looked at that yet. I think I do have a small position in my selects, but I haven't actually looked at it yet. But it's saying here 
profit warning for oh it did i've remembered profit warning for 2023 but it ups its guidance for 2024 so i think that remains interesting but it might need to do a placing that is my selects right on to friday i did nine companies on my own quite pleased with that so um frp advisory let's rattle through these frp advisory this is the um ticket frp this is the insolvency practitioner and related services and corporate finance i think this looks good i have to say h1 trading update was upbeat obviously these are counter cyclical they do well when the rest of the economy is struggling and insolvencies go up um you've got a four percent dividend yield that should be pretty safe given that we've we, we do seem to be entering an economic slowdown which of course is good in a way because that then means interest rates come down which is why the market's rallying uh, and that looks a credible, a credible setup to me. So yeah, I quite like FRP advisory. I think it's been overpriced in the past, but it's looking more sensibly priced now. So that's worth uh, worth you taking a, 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 a closer look. Particularly if you're a gloomy type of person who thinks the world's going to hell in a handcart, then you want to own shares in, a, in an insolvency practitioner, arguably. Now, this was an interesting one. I think I'm going to make this a, a mystery share. It's the second share in Friday's report. I'm going to have to listen back to this and to remember what the mystery shares were. But yeah, so the second item, which put out interim results in Friday's report, I think is very interesting. And I watched the webinar with management, which I thought was excellent. You've got a lovely dividend year yield from this one. It fell... Um, on on the announcement, which I don't think was really justified, uh, looks a good quality business and it's cheap. So I, I like uh, this business. Nearly said the name there. <laughs> uh, Gresham Technologies. This is another one I like. Actually, I'm green on this. Um, it dropped fourteen percent on on the the trading update. The only thing I could see that was negative about it, or possibly negative, maybe not negative, they've decided to exit some low margin. Um, IT um, contracting type supply to one of their biggest customers seems a bit of a pity because they're giving away a million pound in profit each year just because it's low margin. Well, profit's profit, isn't it? So I'm. I'd like to. I might. I'm, I've been offered a call with management. Actually, I might have a chat with them uh, because I do think the business has actually got a very nice developing. It's been listed donkey's years. Gresham Technologies. It does sort of bank reconciliation type software. I think. Um, you've got nice re- recurring revenues. The last four years, profit track record is excellent, but the share price is quite depressed. So I think I'm going to do a bit more work on Gresham Tech. I think that looks potentially interesting. Might speak to management if I can find the time, and if they can find the time, more importantly. Now, here's another one. You see, there are lots of companies we're finding that are, are, are really quite good and some excellent value thing. We're finding loads of opportunities almost every day, you know. This is why I'm excited about this market. Even after the strong rally we had in the last three weeks, there's still loads of stuff, just bargains galore, sitting on a plate. I think if you're, if you're hiding in cash, getting your 3 or 4% interest, I, I get why. But at some point, I think you know, risk capital is likely to come back into these things and you'll be kicking yourself, I think, if you don't buy some of these bargains. We've already seen that in the last week or two. So plenty of good... Companies have bounced 10%, 20%. You know, if you stay on the sidelines too long, you miss the best bargains. Um, that's just my opinion. You know, it could be a bear market rally. We don't know. Anyway, this thing called Genuit, 
G-E-N. It uses 783 million market caps, a decent size. It's putting a trading update out. It used to be called Polypipe, which I think was a better name, actually. I don't know why they changed it to Genuine. genuine. Maybe they've got more diversified products now. Anyway, it's pretty upbeat, uh, despite challenging macro. Uh, uh, it says profit for calendar 2023 be marginally above expectations. Um, seems to be managing... Um, supply chain and uh, significantly re- reduced volumes of products sold, but it seems to be taking that in its stride with cost cutting, uh, efficiency gains, things like consolidating uh, sites, production sites. So then, but they're they're doing all the restructuring that will make them a lot more profitable in an upturn, of course. So I like Genuate. I think that looks good. Dyor, do your own research as always. I've only done a quick review on it, so I don't know all the ins and outs. Dividend yields about four percent, and the P is about twelve percent. So uh, Genuate looks good to me. Traxis, I had a quick look at this one. Long-standing company, we like it very much. Uh, final results came out. Um, nice figures. Earnings per share up an impressive nineteen percent. I've put here. The only thing I do think is that the, the valuation's full for as things stand now. Um, 20.8 times PE. Balance sheet's okay. Ungeared balance sheet. Now, all I, I, one of my uh, one of my investing friends who's very successful messaged me to say, "Ah, but Paul, there's a lot of stuff behind the scenes going on here. Product development, you know, things that are not in the forecast. There's lots of upside on it." Basically, he's saying, "I, I take the point, and I thought that probably would be the case as to why the shares are fully priced, but." You know, it's not my job to try and assess what the future holds. That's your job. All I'm doing is a snapshot here and now. This is my view on it based on these numbers and the current forecast. And it looks fully priced to me. But I do agree it's a nice company. So I'm amber on it. Um, Nothing wrong with Traxxas whatsoever. And if you think the future is very bright with these, with the growth and all the new products and selling the existing products and so on, then, you know, you, you could well be on to a winner. I'm not giving a, a view on the, on the future. That's all I'm saying. Uh, Revolution Beauty interim results. This has obviously been a basket case in the past, but it survived. And it now does seem to be entering turnaround territory, reached around break-even. Lots of problems still. Um... Uh, bank debt still too high and going concern statement concerns some worrying stuff with the material uncertainty so for that reason I'm going to stay on red at uh, Revolution Beauty it, this is the, sorry I should have said it's a makeup company, wholesale and online uh, with a very checkered past I'm not ready to go to, to give it the all clear yet. It's still too, it's still risky, but it does look like there could be a turnaround underway there. Now, I had a quick look for the first time, not for the first time, actually, sorry, no, that's wrong. For the first time in 18 months, I had a look at Active Ops, AOM, which is a software, um, niche software company, interim results. I wasn't impressed on this, I'm afraid. Amber Red, I've said, just because it's overpriced, it's crashed from the float price but it's still worth 61 million quid and it's a, a little business that's only really operating around break even i know there's a slight h2 waiting but it's only 0.4 million net profit forecast for the year ending march 2024 it's too small it's too expensive i think but tamsin likes it she's uh, done a, um, a webinar on it and she thinks um seem to view it positively so it might be worth uh, uh, getting a bit deeper into it i got frustrated with it okay i was getting a bit tired but they can't explain what they actually do you know and i watched the video on their website very slickly produced i still had absolutely no idea what the software actually does Ah, oh, it's frustrating when companies can't explain the basics, isn't it? 
Cakebox, a CBOX interim results. I, you know, I've got issues with this company because of uh, missteps in the past, but uh, the figures were good, interim results, and the outlook's good, the valuation's cheap, there's a great dividend yield, balance sheet's strong with net cash, inline outlook statement. I can't fail to be to be green on this, on Cakebox. I think it, it looks good. But as I say, I do still have trust issues on this, but maybe I should just except that, you know, they seem to have sorted everything out. It's a franchised cake shop business, um, doing well, as I say. For, uh, gear for Music interims, can't get excited about this one. Um, I can see the bull case and, and a more bearish view on this, actually, so seize Friday Friday's report for that. I think that is everything. I've run over and I sort of merged some of the macro stuff in with the other commentary, so I think we'll just leave it there for today. Thanks, as always, for your support. I'm getting lovely feedback on these podcasts. People seem to find them quite interesting, so that's really positive. And we picked up a few extra subscribers as well on Stockopedia who said they really enjoy the, the podcast. And that's sort of in the back of my mind when I do them. Obviously, I want to help promote Stockopedia because it's a wonderful site, and it, you know, it's, uh, it's, um, I'm, I'm, I'm on the staff there, so not, not as an employee. I just, you know, I'm a contributor of editorial material, um, and I love the way they just give me complete independence. I don't have to promote anything, and nobody has ever asked me to to promote anything on Stockopedia. It's just it's just a, a really, really great role, and I'm very grateful for them putting up with me. Um, and as I do have my moments, as everyone knows, but I think most of the time I'm um, I'm pretty, pretty good. So anyway, look, um, why do, how do we get on to that? Oh, yes, it was to thank the subscribers and the people who moved from the podcast to then subscribing for Stockopedia. That's very much a spin-off benefit, and I hope that we get more. And we've, we're getting up to nearly 2,000 listens downloads a, a week for these podcasts so people are obviously quite niche content people are obviously finding it useful so i'm delighted that is the case and I'll, i'm happy to keep doing them i really enjoy doing them as well and if you it doesn't matter that i don't get paid for them i'm not going to waste your time with adverts i'm sorry i think that shows contempt for the readership it ain't going to happen here i might i might sort of take on some sponsorship but only for something i actually use myself so, uh, you know, um, and that I think is good. But um, that's in the back of my mind. It would get not be nice to get paid a bit for doing these. But anyway, look, that's a, a conversation for another day. Thanks for listening. And I'll, I'll sign off with a cheery bye.